Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. It was a pleasure to burn. And that was a short quote. Yes. Short and to the point. Today, we're going to talk about the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Yes. Um, a lot of people probably don't know that that uh, we're even that there even is such a thing or, or such a thing being proposed, I should say. Yeah. Um, but we have talked about privacy many times on the podcast. Yep. Um, something that a lot of people are willing to give up, at least in part, um, thanks to all the cool stuff that you can get on the Internet if you're willing to give people your personal information. And really, in some cases, it's not even that you get cool stuff. It's just that there's been an avenue created where you can share personal information, and that's what people have done. True. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy. It's the sort of stuff where the thing, the kind of information that you wouldn't think to share in, say, necessarily a letter. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because the letter there's there's some privacy guarantees to things that are that pass through the United States Postal Service mm-hmm. uh, that you do not get the same guarantee necessarily when you publish it online and of course online allows for in many cases a much wider variety of people to get a chance to get their peepers on that information. That that's true, and it's also a good point, I think, to point out that um, uh, the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights is something that is being suggested here in the United States, and not every um, not every country in the world has the same guarantees on postal service privacy. Right. So, um, and some some countries already have uh, legislation in place that does address privacy concerns, as far as uh, the internet's concerned. So, uh, this is kind of a it's it sort of codifying behaviors and uh, best practices that a lot of people, I think, have assumed were in place already. But Mm -hmm. in this case, it's saying, let's write this down, get it in black and white, uh, potentially put it into law, and then make it an enforceable list of guidelines so that companies that handle private information are doing so in a responsible manner and a transparent manner, as it turns out. Right. Right. Well, we've talked about uh, many of the companies involved in this uh, in this first round of privacy negotiations with the uh, the United States government, mm-hmm. um, and we've we've also uh, handled a lot of these issues before. We've talked about things like um, uh, cookies and other information that is uh, recorded about you when you visit places on the internet yep. or websites, I should say. Um, and and basically, the idea being that. Uh, you know, as we are moving farther into the 21st century, it is becoming more commonplace for us to share stuff about us, and people are, are tracking us in ways that um, that were sort of you know impossible, really, without the uh, the use of the internet. Yeah, and and a lot of people are unaware of that tracking, mm-hmm. even though in many cases the terms for that sort of tracking are laid out in uh, somewhere. Yeah, right. There's like usually a spot somewhere on a website or service where you can learn how the information you give to that site or service is used mm-hmm. and whether or not it's shared with other entities. And uh, 
there, there's almost always some sort of terms of service that spell this out, although very few of us take the time to either find or read that, even if it's presented right in front of us. I mean, I know I've been guilty oh, yeah, of absolutely. scrolling all the way down so I can check, I, I have read this and I agree. Yes. <laughs> when really it just means I have scrolled down and found the checkbox. Well, it, uh, it it's one of those things that uh, a lot of us have done, especially when we've received an invitation to a hot new social network or something yep. like that where we've we've there's been some hype built up at the beginning um and then you get your and then you get your address and it says you know hey uh Jonathan please go ahead sign up for an account you're in the beta and you, you go on and you fill it out as fast as you can you get the privacy agreement you scroll down to the bottom you click the agree button and then the pop up comes up are you sure you agree and, and you I, click and, yes and you just and, scream let me get to the pretties <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And they can, the, uh, you know, you think about it. They can put the absolute. They don't even have to bother to lie to you because they know that, you know, you're going to go ahead and click OK. They so know they that, can say yeah. we're going to share this stuff about you. You're OK with that, right? All right, then. They let's know, go. Yeah. They know that 99 percent of the people aren't going to read it. Yeah. And the one percent of the people who do read it are going to agree anyway because they don't want to be left out. Well, <laughs> you might I get would say 99 percent of the one percent. Yeah, there you go. You you always have like that one guy who's who's screaming out. You don't want to do this, right. and and that one guy might be right. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. We're not saying that one guy is a crazy person standing out screaming out that we're all you know sheep, but uh, that one guy may very well have a point. And the whole reason why this has come around is because there there's more scrutiny now on companies, particularly big internet companies mm-hmm. that have been collecting uh, private information. And some of that scrutiny is because we've had some pretty public uh, uh, security breaches, like informa- you know, personal information being breached by hackers and then uh, distributed. Mm-hmm. So things like you know, personal information with addresses, maybe even credit card information, that kind of stuff has shocked people. So that so this is partially in response to that, but it's also in response to trends like search engines keeping track of your search history mm-hmm. and then using that information to market it to advertisers so that these advertisers can target people who are um uh, who, who have have certain behaviors because they they'll say, "Oh, this person tends to search for these sort of topics." That means that they're probably interested in these sort of products or services. Therefore, if we serve up ads to that person that advertise those kind of products and services, they're more likely to go ahead and buy them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a whole idea of the more information you have about your target audience, the more effective you can be when you are advertising to them. Uh, we've also seen this used uh, – there's been scrutiny uh, from some fairly recent stories. Did you see the story about how Target uh, was yes. able to identify – yes. Okay, so there's a story. We'll, we'll give some background here. Okay. It's 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 a story that definitely has some controversy around it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh Target had created a a very effective system to identify customers uh and and kind of get an idea of what that customer's uh, life status was based upon their shopping habits. Right, right. Um specifically they were looking for people who were about to have a baby. Yes. And one of the reasons why this uh, was the case. You might say, well, you know, why not people who are getting ready to buy an HDTV? 
Well, as it turns out, the people who are about to have kids are um, – people uh, tend to get in habits. Yes. And so they buy the same brands of laundry detergent and clothing and things like that for years and years and years. So what advertisers want to do is they want to find ways to get you to switch brands over to their thing. But as it turns out, this time when people are about to have kids is a prime time for people to switch because um, things are changing drastically in their life. They start considering – it's not just someone who needs a crib and someone who needs a high chair and someone who needs uh, you know, uh, – Diapers and things like that, baby supplies. It's it's for everything, right? And uh, yeah, so they now realized you, now you have now you have another life that you have to consider. Yep. And this is this is the needs of a baby are different than the needs of of an adult. Yep. And so you you start looking at things like, all right, well, is this detergent going to be too? Is this is this not going to be good for my baby? Should I should I go with something that's going to be more gentle? Or you know, there's a lot of different considerations. And Target's got got. Well, gigs and gigs and gigs of data about customer behaviors. Yes. And so there's a, a huge amount of market research that uh, has sort of indicated what behaviors are uh, – suggest that a person is going to have a baby. You know, mm-hmm. they, that When you start seeing these changes, that's a very good indicator that that person is planning on, on the fact that they are going to have a child. So in this case, Target sent some uh, electronic coupons yes. to a uh, to a young lady, mm-hmm. uh, a, a teenager, mm-hmm. who uh, who had exhibited some of these new behaviors. Right? right, and the new behaviors triggered a uh, the algorithm that says, "Hey, this person is expecting expecting, yeah. and they're going to go ahead and automatically <clears throat> send this stuff out." Right, and the problem here was that this young lady had not divulged the information about her uh, her status to her father. Yes. And her father saw the coupons from Target and sent a very angry email mm-hmm. to a Target manager and said, uh, you know, why are you saying this about my daughter? How dare you? This is, you know, insensitive. Uh, are you trying to encourage her to have a baby? She's far too young. And then uh, the the manager was trying to find a way to respond to this angry father when later on another email came in from the father who said, I had a discussion with my daughter. It turns out there were some things going on that I didn't know about. Uh, uh, this was not the way I would have liked to have found out, but I was in the wrong. But this really brought a lot of attention toward the practice of using customer information to react proactively, which mm-hmm. in some cases you would think – that's that's kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's a little creepy in a way yeah. that that a that a retailer knows that kind of information about you just based upon your your habits. Mm-hmm. But then you realize you are giving the retailer information by the way you shop. That yes. just just by the way you shop. It's not even your name or your address or any of that. Mm-hmm. As long as they have some sort of customer identifier number that is attached to you even if they don't know your name if it's just an if it's just this number designates this particular shopper and this particular shopper has behaved in this way then they can start to draw conclusions about what's going on in your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now there there's a leap here really that has to be made uh for for Target or really any of these other retailers because they're far from alone in doing yeah, this. Yeah. The, when, when we're using this, we're s- simply using Target as an example. It's not that they are unique in this at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. They, they, uh, they are one of many, many retailers who do this. Um, but uh, there's, there's a leap that needs to be made here. Now, Target is not 
collecting or, or any of these companies in, in general, we'll just say a, a retailer is not necessarily collecting this stuff to identify Jonathan Strickland as being somebody who particularly likes a specific brand of coffee. They want to know that number, you know, whatever his customer number is at yeah. the retailer likes these products. He's more inclined to buy this than that. Um, and they want to give him a positive experience. So they are trying to tailor the the customer experience as much as they can. Um, when I go to, example, Target, um, when the little coupon prints out, when I, uh, you know, swipe my card and we get our, our stuff that we get there, um, the coupon printer will print out some, a coupon for something that I've bought and not necessarily on this shopping trip. Right. They've gotten very good at um, printing out stuff that it's specific to what I buy with them. Right. And uh, so it's not th- it's not that they're trying to breach somebody's privacy. The leap here is that it could be used to find out information about Jonathan Strickland or Chris Paulette personally. Yes. Um so yeah, it's 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 a delicate matter on how you handle that personal information. Uh whether that means that uh, you know you don't want to make your customers feel like they are being spied upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a bad outcome. And then also, you want to make sure that whatever the information you have is secure and and preferably in in most cases not uh, connected to an individual by name or other personal identification. Mm-hmm. So that there might be an a, a customer profile on you. But mm-hmm. that profile does not directly link to your identity. Mm-hmm. Well, think about uh, companies like Netflix or Amazon.com that make recommendations based on things that you've bought before or, or consumed before. In the, in the case of Netflix, something you've watched. Um, and they make recommendations. That's something that we tend to value about those services. It, right. it makes it uh, – them collecting that information makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, they're curating – yeah. Their their collections for us, so that it's less yeah. work for us, and then it's it's the joy of discovery seems so much more uh, palpable because you don't have to go through, you know, a, a, a five thousand uh, movie titles before you mm-hmm. find one that actually sounds interesting to you. Right, right. So let's get back over to the actual privacy bill of rights. Now, the idea of of legislating uh, our rights to privacy isn't new. No. Uh, in the United States, it kind of began in the late 19th century. So the 1890s is about when we really started to uh, uh, look at ways of protecting privacy through U.S. law, apart from the guarantees that are in the Constitution right. that state you know, mm-hmm. uh, your, your guarantee against unlawful search and seizure, which – could be an entire episode all on its own. And in fact, I think we have talked about that on its own. But anyway, uh, it's, that's not a new idea, but the idea of trying to create this, this, uh, privacy set of guidelines for the online world is new because it's, it's a different kind of, uh, exchange of information than we've had in the past. And so, uh, the actual documents of the consumer privacy uh, Bill of Rights, they're they're online, so you can go and read them yourselves if you want to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the it's quite detailed. Yeah, there's it's the the actual Bill of Rights themselves that that that's probably about uh, I think it's 14 pages of text just for the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot more about um, how will that be enforced or how could it be enforced because right. this is not this is not being enacted into United States law yet. 
Yeah, it's something that's being discussed. It's a proposal, and this is a proposal coming from President Obama's administration. It's not even – it's not coming out of Congress. So this Mm -hmm. would have to go into Congress to be debated and tweaked and destroyed and then rebuilt and then either passed or not passed and then go to the president who would then either sign it into law or not. So uh, here's some of the uh, – the – language from the bill itself it, the the introduction there's like an introdu- there's like a forward an introduction an executive summary every single section of this by the way when you read that first paragraph feels like the opening paragraph to a college student's term <laughs> paper so it's like you're having to read five different openings of a term paper before you get to the content but i'm going to i'll read a little bit here this is this kind of explains the reason why the administration felt like this was necessary. <clears throat> Citizens who feel protected from misuse of their personal information feel free to engage in commerce, to participate in political process, or to seek needed health care. This is why we have laws that protect financial privacy and health privacy and that protect consumers against unfair and deceptive uses of their information. This is why the Supreme Court has protected anonymous political speech, the same right exercised by the pamphleteers of the early republic and today's bloggers. So... This was sort of their, their, the argument by the administration saying that privacy is a very important component in life. It's something that we need in order to feel that we can securely pursue very important matters in our lives without, without the, the, the fear of that information falling into the wrong hands or being misused in any way Mm -hmm. or, or being used to lie to us. You know, once people find out more about us, they start to learn what we're vulnerable to. And um, further on it goes, these rights give consumers clear guidance on what they should expect from those who handle their personal information and set expectations for companies that use personal data. I call on these companies to begin immediately working with privacy advocates, consumer protection enforcement agencies, and others to implement these principles in enforceable codes of conduct. My administration will work to advance these principles and work with Congress to put them into law. With this Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights, we offer the world a dynamic model of how to offer strong privacy protection and enable ongoing innovation in new information technologies. One thing should be clear, even though we live in a world in which we share personal information more freely than in the past, we must reject the conclusion that privacy is an outmoded value. It has been at the heart of our democracy from its inception and we need it now more than ever. I think that's a shot across the bow of a certain uh, social networking founder. Do you know who I'm talking about? <clears throat> Does he have curly hair and really disagrees with a pair of twin yes, yes, he rowers? Yes, he also He also can uh, explain the excitement of a logarithmic scale in great detail at a press conference. Yes, we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, who mm-hmm. who infamously at this point a couple of years ago said that uh, he felt that he thought he thought that privacy was dying out as a social norm. Yeah. Now what he meant by that was that the average person no longer really seemed to feel that privacy was that important or rather they didn't feel inhibited in any way from sharing information that perhaps a generation ago people would never have pushed out to the public. Mhm. Mhm. So it's not exactly a direct contradiction because what Zuckerberg was saying was that we just don't feel uh, as as uh, we don't feel the need to keep stuff back as much as we used to. Yeah. It's not that 
we should ignore privacy concerns more. It was more that we just don't see it as being as important as we used to. Uh, meanwhile, people have proven that Zuckerberg feels very differently about his own personal privacy yes. <laughs> because they've breached it multiple times and he has not found it very amusing. And no. again, I don't think that was his point. I don't think his point was that we shouldn't worry about privacy. It was more that people in general just don't seem to find it as important. Well, it's one of those situations too, I think, where it sort of ended up as a soundbite type of thing. Yeah, where he said it easy. in a public in a in a public forum and and uh it's, you know, hey, it's a quote, it's a direct quote. Yeah. So, uh well not exactly what you just said, but yeah, <laughs> just yeah. to clarify in case somebody writes in. Sure. But uh <laughs> but yeah, he he did say those things and uh people said, "Hey, it, you know, Mark says privacy's dead." Yeah. And right, which was definitely an oversimplification of what he was saying. But yeah. but also, you know, it's when you're speaking off the cuff, it's also really easy to give a sound bite that doesn't entirely encapsulate what you're thinking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we've, we've had that same situation here. Oh, many many times. So let's but, get into the actual Bill of Rights, I guess. Yeah, I I figure it's probably, um, uh, although it's kind of uh, thick in places, we should probably get into the uh, specific provisions. There are seven, yes. I believe, that are are um, where they're trying to to work with people to make this happen. Yeah, they're they're uh, the the language refers to them as FIPS, F I P P S, FIPS, mm-hmm. because they are. Uh, fair Information Practice Principles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or FIPS. Fip, fip, fip. Yeah, I, I actually skimmed ahead and yes. was reading, and I started seeing references to FIPS, and it was before I saw what the breakout was for the acronym. And I had many enjoyable moments trying to come up with what FIPS could stand for. None, okay. of, them, none of them were right, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's, that's tangential. Well, one of the the first is uh, the individual control of your personal information. Yes. Uh, basically, they're saying that uh, you you should be the one in charge. Yes. Of whether or not you give this information away and what happens to it. So essentially, what this is saying is that whenever you are signing up for any sort of service or or a site or whatever, that when they the company or organization asks for your information. You have the right to either give that information or not give that information. And furthermore, you can actually uh, uh, dictate how that information will be used. So mm-hmm. in other words, um, you know, you, if you give that information to the company, if you choose to do it, uh, you should still be able to say, hey, you know, I w- I'm giving this information to you, but I'm doing it so that you can do this set of things and nothing beyond that set of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that's interesting. I'm wondering how how well that will be enforced. Uh, and a lot of these, by the way, we're going to go through them all, but a lot of these are going to kind of overlap each other or complement each other. So uh, there'll be some uh, some similarities throughout these 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 uh, rights, these FIPS. Yes, yes. Now uh, the second is uh, transparency. Yes. So so what they're saying is the company should tell you up front or or during the entire time that you have an account with them that. Exactly how your information is going to be used, um, and and for what means. They also for privacy and security. Yes, yes. They also the security was what I was going to address. They also have to let you know how your data is going to be protected, mm-hmm. because that's, that's nice to know. Yeah, it's that, again that's one of the reasons why this 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 uh, legislation or proposed uh, guidelines. I guess I shouldn't say legislation. Proposed guidelines. It's why they were 
part of the reason why they exist is because uh, people, when they are signing over information to a company, a lot of us just kind of assume that it's sort of sitting in a database somewhere, but that's it. Like mm-hmm. it's not doing anything else and it's completely secure. That's not always the case. I mean, you want to know if it, if your information is going to be encrypted. Is it being saved in plain text? Plain text, by the way, is what we call a bad thing. <laughs> um, encrypted is better. Uh, and when it's being used between companies, like if we're talking about information that ultimately is going to be used in order to get advertisers to send you information or to post ads on the site that you're visiting all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you want to make sure that however they are conveying your information to the advertiser, that it's secure. Yes. And they need to make sure that that is easily understood and easily available to to check out. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole transparency issue. Mm-hmm. Then there's respect for t- context. And this is one of those that sort of sounds a little bit like an, an overlap because what they're saying is um, – so let's say you've agreed to their the uh, company's terms. Yeah. Um, the company should respect that you've agreed to those terms. So um, you've uh, agreed to let your information be shared with select advertisers, but they shouldn't go out and give it to uh, and sell your name to random mailing lists. Right. Because within you've uh, had the context of I'm signing up for this within these boundaries. Yeah. And they're saying you can't take it past that. Right. That's very good. And then, Thank you. then next is security, which of course I've just chatted about. But this way, the, you know, the transparency is letting you know yeah. how and and uh, your data is being uh, protected. Mm-hmm. This is actually saying protect the data. Yeah. Because it, it says that consumers have a right to secure and responsible handling of personal data. Mm-hmm. So this is this is actually putting it on those sites and services to make sure that the information you give them is protected reasonably from any sort of intrusion mm-hmm. or uh, it could be anything from a hacker hacking their way into the servers to someone walking into the company and physically taking a machine out of the company because that has happened. Yes, it has. You know, we, we often think when we're thinking about stealing information, we often think about the whole Hollywood style where the, the cute nerdy chick uh, is sitting down at a at a laptop and after about, uh, no, I don't know, 30 seconds of typing on a keyboard, I'm in. And then you just, you know, you see like the little progress bar filling up and as the USB drive is, is getting all the information. Meanwhile, the security guys are closing in. Will she get away? Well, I'm watching the wrong movies. Um, yeah. Warehouse 13, you know, Chloe. Oh man. Call me. Anyway. So the other, way you could do it is you could have like a big guy named Al just walks into the building, <laughs> picks up a computer and leaves and then just all the information on that computer is right there. By the way, it does not he does not have to be called Al nor does he have to be a big guy. <laughs> I'm here from the computer cleaners. Okay, it's right over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's social engineering and that happens way more frequently than the whole let's breach this thing by you know, brute forcing the password. <laughs> Social engineering is much more effective. If you can walk up and talk to somebody and convince them that you are the person who d- needs to do this one particular thing, it's amazing how frequently that works. What happened to number 17? Oh, it's out the cleaners. Yeah. What do you what? mean <laughs> out of the cleaners? That had all our customer data on it. Wah, wah. <laughs> Access and accuracy. 
is yes. the, the fifth. Yeah. And basically, uh, people have a right to be able to uh, get to their personal data and make changes to it if they need to, to make sure it's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so things like if you have changed your address or if you've changed an important status in your life, like you've gotten married or maybe you got divorced or maybe you've had kids or, you know. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the Facebook. <laughs> it's complicated. But it's where you want to be able to go in there and make those changes so that the information is still accurate. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that just makes sense. And I think most companies tend to do that. I mean, because they want to have the most accurate information about you. It doesn't yeah. do them any good if the information they have about you is out of date. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's not the reason. <laughs> they don't care. Right. <laughs> Ultimately, I think most of these companies don't really care about your personal information uh, on a on a personal level at all. It's not like they're trying to spy on you to figure out what you are doing in any, you know, for any nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about profit, really, when it comes down to it. Or some, in some cases, it's about trying to tailor the experience so that it is the most meaningful to you, mm-hmm. which is a, feels a little more altruistic. But ultimately, it does come down to dollars and cents and not so much of, uh, we are watching you. <laughs> Sorry, stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> Shut up. And then there's um, one of my favorites, Focused Collection. Yes. Which is basically saying we're not going to collect or or the company is not allowed to collect anything else other than the stuff it needs to do its job. Yeah. So in other words, if you sign up for a coupon site, Mm -hmm. let's say a coupon service that's going to deliver coupons that are of interest to you. Uh, and are uh, applicable to you in your region. So we're so- talking about something like Groupon, right? Okay, yeah. something like Groupon where you sign up and part of Groupon is that you tell it where you live because, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't want to send you coupons for a place that's a thousand miles away. It doesn't do you any good. And you tell Groupon what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So that way it's sending you relevant coupons because if you are really interested in outdoor adventures, but you don't have a whole lot of interest in pottery, then you don't want to keep getting you know, invites to go take another pottery class. You know, that's just not that's not what you care about. Well, then that information makes perfect sense for Groupon to pull from you. You know, your address or your zip code or whatever your the region you are in and what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But other things might not matter so much. Like it, w- it wouldn't matter for the service that Groupon is providing to you. Mm-hmm. So things like the names of all your relatives, your social security number, your birth date, your driver's license number, Mm -hmm. this kind of information is not relevant to the service Groupon is providing. And therefore, according to this Bill of Rights, Groupon should not ask you for it, nor should you feel compelled to share it, because why would they need that Mm -hmm. to do what they do? You're you're never going to let me live down that uh, pottery skydiving class, are you? You know – he tells me that it was uh, always supposed to be an ashtray, but I am absolutely certain that originally that wasn't going to be an urn. Oh, I, oh let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that uh, they're talking about embracing is something that uh, that has been around for a while now, the do not track technology, which is really less of a technology and more of an agreement. Um, in a way, it's sort of like a gentleman's agreement between an advertiser and, uh, and, and the, the customer. Um, and the technology behind it is browser based. Yeah. 
So uh, um, Firefox, the most recent versions of Firefox have do not track in there. And uh, Mozilla baked it in there so that you could say, hey, I, I'm." it's basically uh, a little information that goes along with a, a query for a site that says, I don't want to be tracked. And uh, you, you go to visit, you know, mywonderfulsandwich.com. And, you know, if mywonderfulsandwich.com decides that now that lunch is over, they want to know what else, what other kinds of foods you like, um, you know, they don't have to participate in the agreement at all. Yeah. But uh, you've already told them that you don't want to. Now, if they're behaving responsibly, they might say, all right, no, no, we know, we know you're just looking for lunch. No big deal. Um, but now they're, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to get more people to embrace that. And I know that Google has said it will add that to Chrome, um, as well. So, you know, this, this may end up being part of the technology that, uh, helps support this, this legislation. And, if and it becomes legislation. And this falls into Opposing. what is the final FIP, FIP, which is accountability. Yes. And accountability is all about the fact that it, the wording in the actual document is that consumers have a right to have personal data handled by companies with appropriate measures in place to assure they adhere to the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're talking about here is that you know you have a right to uh, to be able to use a browser that's not going to necessarily collect all that information without you knowing it, or not even a browser, but like search engines. You know, again, we're talking about Google here. Um, mainly um, other search engines too, but you know <clears throat> if you're using Google and you're, ch- you're searching for stuff all day long, like some of us, you know, I do it all day long. That's my job is to mm-hmm. you, you know search information and pull it together and write articles. Um, then you know you'd like to have a little more control over that so that you don't have all these different potential. Uh, companies and organizations having access to your personal information and making decisions about you over which you have no control. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that kind of power as an individual. And but, you know, fairly recently, there have been some reports about how companies like Google have signed on with this, saying that this is this is a great idea. And you might think this this these guidelines sound like they could potentially, you know, put a dent. And some business here. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple reasons why, or a couple reasons why Google and other companies like Google might be behind the guidelines that aren't exactly like, yes, we also believe in privacy. Uh, not to say that that motivation isn't there; it may very well be, but there are other alternative reasons why they might be behind this. And one of those is that, well, it's a good PR move to say. Customer privacy is one of our main concerns as well. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. So that's a good PR move. Another is this isn't legislation. Right. It's not baked into law. So there's no real danger in saying uh, sure as opposed to opposing it because there was actual legislation in California for a state uh, uh, legislation uh, that would – Kind of approach the same sort of subject matter as these this this uh, bill of rights, mm-hmm. and companies like Google were very much not in favor of it. Mm-hmm. So when it when it moved to the actual legislation phase, there was a lot more opposition. Now right here, where it's not where where it's a great idea, but it's not really enforceable, not from a legal standpoint. Uh, it, it could be enforceable uh, if companies took it upon themselves to enforce it mm-hmm. on their own practices, but there's no teeth behind it right now. Uh, it, there's nothing dangerous about saying, sure, let's do it. 
Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. And you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to say that any company has a particular motivation. I'll just say that the behaviors when it was in California legislation debate. And the behaviors when it's in a proposal that doesn't have any legal backing to it are different. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about um, about how things will be enforced. And the Federal Trade Commission would be the department of mm-hmm. the United States government that would be responsible for making sure that uh, companies behave themselves and, and follow the guidelines set forth in, in this um, – uh, in this document. And, uh, well, you know, I, I don't know how much they'd be able to do. They, that's the problem. See, at this point, this document is not, uh, as, as Jonathan pointed out, it's not legislation. It's not, uh, a proposed legislation. It's really more of a set of guidelines. So what the legislation would be would be actually, uh, more about how it would be enforced and it would, it would set forth those uh, instructions on how they would move going forward. And keep in mind that if this were to enter, uh, legislation, like if it was, if it would, if it enters that phase, then the changes that would be made to the language would po- possibly be quite drastic. Mm-hmm. And it could be that the outcome is completely different than what this proposal is. Mm-hmm. So Actually, that's, it's pretty much a guarantee. Maybe yeah. not completely different, but significantly different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think the idea behind it is sound. There are are several of the uh, um, agencies that have been um, outspoken in rights, including the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yeah, well, um, they're all about that. Yes, and they basically said, "Hey, we like the idea behind it. We're interested to see what's going to happen." So um, it, it will be interesting to see how it goes forward and, and how um, whether or not it inspires others and uh, and other places to create similar legislation and, and maybe curtail some of this or or, you know, give people a good idea of how their information is being used. And honestly, I think that is probably the biggest um, most useful thing that would come out of, of that, too, because people really want to use these services. Um, and companies, you know, everybody's sort of in agreement, but it would be nice to know how information is being stored and exactly what's being collected and then not that excess information is not being used um, and, and retained if it, it doesn't need to be there in the first place. Yeah. At least that's my opinion. Uh, I agree entirely. So, all right. Well, and uh, yeah, it'll be, you know, we'll have to see how this turns out. I mean, the whole argument about privacy and, and what people should be uh, what's reasonable for us to expect as consumers? Uh, how much of that responsibility falls on us versus the the entities that are gathering our information? Mm-hmm. That debate is going to go on for a while, uh, probably forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll 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 switch back and forth quite a bit. But uh, it's just good to remember that when you go and you sign up for these things, whether it's a social networking site or a uh, and even an app that you might put on a smartphone mm-hmm. keep in mind that uh, a lot of these companies you know they're they're making some serious cash off your personal information personal information is the digital currency mm-hmm. right uh, and so uh, you know just do a little thinking about that some critical thinking about how your information is going to be used and really it comes down to right now 
are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And if you are okay with that, if you if you trust the source and you th- feel that your information's in capable hands and you don't mind it being used for advertising purposes or whatever, then you're fine. If you feel that it's not the right thing for you, then you might want to, you know, give a second thought to actually joining that site or, or engaging that service. Mm-hmm. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough choice to make sometimes because sometimes we just want something so badly that we're willing to uh, to cut some corners that could potentially come back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then there are cases where we have no control over it whatsoever. Like the Epsilon hack is a good example mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the consumers who had their information stolen in the Epsilon hack weren't dealing with Epsilon directly. They were dealing with companies that were customers of Epsilon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that was one of those things that was really tough, uh, a really tough situation because if you, tr- you might trust the company you're doing business with, but you don't necessarily know what companies they're doing business with. Right, right. And a lot of people who signed up for that didn't realize they were signing up for that because, um, by and large, the, the companies that had their information stored with Epsilon, uh, were retailers and people had signed up for loyalty cards, not realizing that, uh, or I guess probably not thinking about the idea that, hey, they're going to put this on a computer somewhere and that computer could be hacked and my personal information could be taken. Right. Um, not like signing up for an account on a computer where you're saying, I am entering this information into the computer myself. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a bit of a, an intermediary there where you're, you're going, oh, well, I'm giving, I, I filled this out by hand and I handed it to the guy at the service desk and he gave me a card that I'm going to go use and, uh, buy some groceries now. Yeah, it, it, it's it's to the average consumer. Yeah, to the average consumer, it probably felt more like using a coupon. Yeah, you know, you and clip it, a, clip a coupon out of a pa- piece of paper and you 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 use it when you buy something. You know, that's not attached to you at all. Yeah, and it's between you and this real retailer. Well, as it turns out, all those retailers are working with this one company. Yeah, that and, was had massive databases and yes. yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's a sticky issue, and it's going to be it's just going to get more and more important because again, like the whole uh, visibility of of security hacking has increased over the last, I'd say, like five or ten years, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't look like the hackers are giving up anytime soon. Right. So, anyway, well, that's our discussion about the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Uh, it we'll see whether or not it's ever uh, put into law and if it turns out to be an effective piece of legislation all of that's still in question if you guys have any ideas for topics that we should cover here on Tech Stuff please let us know you can email us our address is techstuff at discovery.com or you can send us a message via Twitter or Facebook our handle there is techstuffhsw and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?